All right, stand up for Jesus. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Ye soldiers of the cross, lift high this royal banner. It must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army shall he lead. Till every foe is vanquished, and Christ is Lord indeed. Stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. Put on the gospel armor. Each piece put on with prayer. Where duty calls or danger, be never wanting there. Strife will not be long. This day, the noise of battle, the next, the victor's song. To him that overcometh, a crown of life shall be. Be with the King of glory, shall reign All right, let's stand up for Jesus this morning. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called, and whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also make, maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Turn back with me where Isaiah left off, where he left us in Romans chapter 8. We've been teaching on Romans 8 off and on for a while now. And I knew we were eventually going to get to these verses. And we have. Uh, praise God for them. So last week, we looked at the verses here in verse 
16, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Verse 26, likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. We're in need of Him in every thought that we have. We're in need of Him because we don't even know that what we're praying for is actually going to be good for us most of the time. That's why we're careful and we pointed this out to pray according to His will. We spoke of the Lord uh, in the garden of Gethsemane where He sweated blood, you remember. And He asked, if it be possible, Lord, that this cup, He was praying to the Father, would pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but Thine will be done. That's a great example for us, and we pointed that out, that we should pray as it's according to Your will. Yes, we think we know what's best for us tomorrow, don't we? And it may be. We may be right. But we place these requests in the hands of He who has the knowledge of all things, past, present, and future. And we trust in Him. So, so we had Brother Isaiah read this morning. Uh, from verse 28 it was. This is a great verse for comfort and strength, for identification, because we are those who know this truth. We are those who have been revealed this truth. Verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Further identification, for them who are the called according to His purpose. God's in control, isn't He? Praise the Lord that He is. Amen. We saw last week also in John fourteen twenty six where the Holy Spirit instructs us, Jesus Christ told them that He would send a Comforter. And He did. And He sends the Comforter to us when He saves us, doesn't He? And He puts Him within our hearts. And the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, will teach you all things. So, do you know this morning that all things work together for good to those that love God? To you? Because you love God? Well, praise the Lord if you know that because He has revealed it to you. He's revealed it to you. What do we read this morning about the wisdom of mankind? It's foolishness. And it really is. Even common man sense tells you that some of the scientific data and the quote-unquote facts are ridiculous. But the Word of God is accurate and true in all points. All right. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Well, what about when I stumped my toe? What about when I was sick? What about when I broke my arm? What about when I broke my foot? What about when the ironing board come down and smacked me in the head? That was this morning, by the way. <laughs> I'm 
not right there. Yes. A-L-L means everything. Fits and works together. That's how in control God is of all things. He really is. Sober reign. He's one over all. Yet in three persons. What a Savior. All right. Them to them. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Now Paul explains this statement in the next few verses. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. For whom He did foreknow. Now I want you to look at that word for a second. For whom He did foreknow. Well, He knows all things. We realize that. He's the Creator of all things. He's not bound by time as we are. No, he knows the past from the present, from the future. And he sees it all because he knows all things. He didn't just look in the future and see us and see whether or not we would be willing to trust him. No, he put that in us, that trust in us when he enlightened us to the truth. The truth that only what he did on the cross of Calvary will allow a connection with God. That word foreknow, it actually means, in a deeper sense, it's a special knowledge with favor. In other words, he for loved us, or loved us before. All right? Before the foundation of the world, the Bible teaches. He knew us even in Adam. When He created Adam, that's, that's amazing that God creates people in the future. But He's amazing. It's as simple as that. So He foreloved us. This is the everlasting love of God for His people. All right. For whom he did foreknow, he also predestinated to be conformed. He had a perfect plan. He's a great architect, isn't he? He drew out a perfect plan. And that perfect plan included you, praise God. In that plan, he designed your life. In that plan, he wrote down and I don't know how God writes things down but I know that he keeps records and I know that he knows all things he doesn't forget anything he knows everything and he loved us before the foundation of the world he predestined us what does that mean that means that it's an event in time that God set in motion and when God set something in motion there's no change in it, is there? No. There's no change in it. It's a sure thing. Your salvation this morning, it's a sure thing. How can it be a sure thing? Because it doesn't depend on you, praise God. But it depends on Jesus Christ and what He did for you because He loved you, see. He's always loved you. I've said from this pulpit before, if one detail in your birth had been different, you wouldn't be you. 
What's that detail? A different mother or a different father? That's a fact. Is God in control or what? He is. He knew who your parents were going to be. He knew who you were going to be. And He loved you and He's always loved you and He's always cared for you even when you were unaware of His care, unaware of His love, unaware of His Godship or His sovereignty. He loved you then too. Even when we, our hearts, the Bible says, were enmity against Him. In other words, we hated Him. We talk about people who don't know the truth, but we need to be careful to talk to them or about them in love. Because that was me too. It was foolishness to me too. Until by the love of God, it extended from the foundation of the world. God saved me and He put His Holy Spirit in me. Praise God. All right. For whom He did foreknow or forelove, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. What is that image? Well, Jesus Christ had a perfect nature, not a fallen nature. We know that there was no man involved in His birth, but the Holy Spirit was involved, the virgin. He never sinned or desired to sin. The Word, I think, is impeccable. He never even desired to sin. That, my friend, is the type of person that you're being conformed to become. No desire for sin. Only hatred for sin. Because God hates sin. His only begotten Son suffered and died for it. But He was willing to do so because of the driver of the actions of God toward us is His love, you see. You see what carries it through time? What works out His perfect diagram, His perfect plan for you in this life and in the life to come? It's His love for you. It's His love for you. No greater love is there known by the agape love. All right. Now, His love for us is the foundation of predestination. We talk a lot about foundation here because the way we live for Jesus is to stand on His truths as a foundation. I've used this illustration lots of times. We go out there and I wouldn't do it today. I think there's a red flag flying. But we stand in the gulf in the surf. And it doesn't take but a few minutes. And we're not standing where we were previously. Why? Because the sand's washed out from under our feet. What's significant about that? The foundation moves. The foundation's not solid. But if we're standing on a rock and the water washes over us and back out, we're still on the rock. The foundation of our lives is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, I preach it over and over. But it's everywhere. Whatever account in this book that I preach on, the gospel is there. 
God wrote this book and He wrote this gold thread of salvation all the way through it. And it always points to the glory of Jesus Christ. Verse 29 says, For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. Why? That He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, on top of this, whom He did predestinate, them He also called. No one cometh to the Father, Jesus said. No one cometh to me except the Father which sent me draw him. It's been pointed out here before that that word draw literally means to drag. We're going to get into that a little bit more here shortly. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified. How did he do that? He called us the same way He called Lazarus. Lazarus was dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were separated from God and a great gulf separated you and Him. But He said, Lazarus, come forth. And He gave Lazarus life and gave Lazarus the ability to stand up even wrapped in grave clothes. Even still in your sins, He drew you to Himself. You were still wrapped in grave clothes. You were still wrapped in your sinful ways. But God's love overcame those sins. As He said to the people there, uh, when Lazarus came forth after they rolled the stone back, He said, Loose him and let him go. God has done that for you. He's loosed you from your sins. He has the power and authority to do so, and He only. And whom He justified, verse 30, he also glorified. Every time I think about being glorified or the glory that is ours in the future, I can't help but think about on the resurrection morning when the angel sent from God appeared at Jesus' tomb and His countenance was so bright that the soldiers, these were trained killers, these, these weren't, rookies that they put to guard that tomb. They fell down as dead men just at the sight of Him. That's how bright. And that was an angel. But a glorious being without sin. That's how we're going to be. He's going to glorify us, you see. We're going to have a glorified body that doesn't hurt, that doesn't get sick, that doesn't mourn. Oh, praise God. He's coming back for us. And soon, He'll be here. i got a little diagram here I want to put up here. I, I don't think I've ever used this here. I know we're, we're all going to be familiar with it. Y'all see that? Okay. So we know where this was made famous uh, in a book. Let me tell you something. Uh, John Calvin or no one else wrote this truth. God, the Holy Spirit, wrote this truth in His book. Calvin simply put it in this term, the tulip. So the T in tulip is total depravity. That means, as God's Word points out, we were totally separated from God. 
as Adam was when he and Eve were driven from the garden. They were separated from God. Why? Because of sin that God hates. Total depravity means that you're unable to help yourself spiritually. Lazarus was doing what? Nothing. Lazarus was separated from life, wasn't he? He was doing nothing. He had the ability to do what? Nothing. So, the unsaved, I was, you were, in this condition. Totally depraved. Without God, we still are. But praise God, we have a new life. From the foundation of the world, He loved us. And by doing so, He elected us. We just read it. Why? Why me and why you? There, in my mind, is no answer to that question. Except that He wanted to. What do we pray for? His will. It was His will that you know Him. It was His will that you love Him. It was His will that you were in the group that He gave to His Son before the foundation of the world. That's who He loves. And how many you think He's going to lose? Zero. He has all power in heaven and earth. Oh, I'm so happy to be in His hands, aren't you? What a Savior. That U stands for unconditional election. I talked earlier about how uh, God knows all things. He sees all things at once, if He desires to. Past, present, the future. Yes, He looks forward in time and saw your life. But what He didn't do was look forward and see your life and see whether or not you were willing to accept Him. He already knew. Because you're written down in His plan, you see. He already knew you wouldn't. Not on your own. Because you as Lazarus were able to do what? Spiritually. Not a... Nothing. And so our salvation is not conditioned on our actions humanly. Unconditional means that He loved us anyway. All, the Bible says, have fallen, have sinned, and fallen short of what? The glory of God. The glory of God. Yes, that angel from heaven displayed glory, didn't he? Because he was sinless and holy. That's where we're headed. But we've all fallen short of that because we sin. Praise God that He, before the foundation of the world, wrote your name down in the book of life. Oh, and He set your destiny. He set it in stone that none can change it. Brother Isaiah read it for us, none can separate us from His love. Nor any other thing. I like the way he put that, just in case there was a doubt. Well, he, he didn't say, yes, he did. He included that too, whatever you're thinking, that can separate you from the love of God. Limited atonement's already been said this morning. If the Lord Jesus had died for every single human that ever was born, every one of them would be saved. But the Bible doesn't back that up. It doesn't support that theory, does it? It doesn't. Even the account of the rich man and Lazarus, there you go right there. 
And what was said about that? It was said that there was a great gulf fixed between us and them. God the Father sent God the Son to die for you because your name was included in His book of life. There's a song out I hear sometimes. There's a new name written in in heaven. No, sir. It was there already if it's there now because the sovereign God knew you and knew that you were His. He died for His people. No one cometh to the Father but by me and no one cometh to me except my Father which sent me draw him. God's grace, and I'm so glad it is, is irresistible. If it was resistible, I wouldn't be here because in my nature I certainly would have resisted and did. Oh, but when the appointed time by the wonderful designer came, he used the circumstances in my life and he quickened my heart with his truth. You must be born again. That's what Jesus told Nicodemus. That's what the Lord told me in my heart when He saved me. You must be born again. Yes, when He saves us, it's a powerful salvation. The Gospel is powerful because it is applied by the Holy Spirit of God Himself. We can't save anybody. We can't change anybody's mind or anybody's heart. But we can lovingly present them with the truth. And it's important that we do it that way. Because but by the grace of God, there go I. That was me. Before God, by His amazing grace, quickened my heart and saved me and put me on this road that He had laid out for me. He predestined me to be conformed to the image of His Son. Again, I ask, how many is he going to lose? None. None. Because of the perseverance and the preservation of the saints of God. We shall persevere. How do we know that? Because we're in the hand of Almighty God. And nothing can separate us from Him. Nothing. Can sickness, can fear, can death? No. Alright. One of our favorite psalms says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The shadow of death. Death has no hold on you. Because when Jesus Christ gave His life, three days later He was risen from the dead. and He defeated death. He defeated hell. He defeated the grave. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What a Savior. Oh, won't you trust in Him this morning? Because there's no other rock to stand on for spiritual life. It simply doesn't exist. There is no other God. Only the uh, physical physical construction of or the imagination in the minds of men. That's it. There's no other God. Only Jehovah God. Jesus Christ His Son and the Holy Spirit. And they are one. So glad 
that the Lord brought us here this morning. So glad that He opened His book up to us. So glad that in our hearts we rejoice in His precious name, the name of Jesus.